Good morning. It's good to be back again. I was away last weekend. Had the opportunity to head uh, head to British Columbia. Don't tell anybody. To uh, I was working though to marry my niece. I was there on on business technically as I was performing a a wedding for my niece, which was wonderful. Uh, amongst the many firsts we've had this year, I had another first on that particular weekend. I was uh, I've, I've done some weddings and funerals during COVID, but this was my first drive-in wedding that I've done, where we had a very very small wedding party at the front of the. Uh, of the kind of the, what I was going to call it the sanctuary, but we were actually outside on the front step. A uh, very small wedding party up there with me, and then, and then just a parking lot full of cars. And they transmitted the service over an FM transmitter. So I also had another first. I got to practice my radio voice as we had uh, people tune into uh, to the FM transmitter on their radios in their cars, and they listened to Love 103.1 FM, your wedding station. All love, all the time. <laughs> so people enjoyed uh that experience, I know I certainly did. Thank you to the team and to Athena who continued our Power of Prayer series while I was away. Uh, we had power of prayer, but we had no power in the internet. <laughs> and so last week, if you're curious what happened, we actually broadcast last week's service via a, uh, an iPhone, which was another first. Lots of firsts this week we're bringing up. So, but we're thankful today uh, for the investment and the effort of our staff and volunteers in West Meadows at Home, and things are looking great again in terms of our uh, picture and quality and sound, and so we're thankful for West Meadows at Home today uh, as we gather to worship via that as well. Well, at the start of this series, this Power of Prayer series, I asked you a question. I asked you, do you believe in the power of prayer? And overwhelmingly on the chat and the the worship team that was gathered in front of me on that day, the overwhelming response was yes, especially in the power of praying moms because it was was Mother's Day as well. But I want to take it a step further today. You see, because I can't really ask you if you believe in the power of prayer without talking about the source of that power. What is the source of the power in prayer? Now, so far through this series, on week one, we we talked about Hannah, who gave an example of the heart in which we approach God in prayer. And we, we read about how Hannah shared her heart, and then she took heart that God heard her prayers, and then she gave back to God from the heart. And then last week, Thena shared with us by providing models that we can use, models of prayer that we can use. And they all, there was a couple of them, but they all had one common factor. All of them, all these different models were intended for one common purpose, to focus our minds upon God first and foremost in our prayers. And so from these first two weeks, what have we learned? We've learned this, that if you are going to experience power in prayer, it begins with focusing your heart and your mind upon God first. Before we pray any other words, before we pray anything else, to focus our hearts and our minds upon God first. And that's important because when we have that focus at the very beginning of our prayers, it will begin to influence the words that we pray, the thoughts we have, the emotions, and the expectations we have during our time of prayer because it's all centered upon God. And when we talk about the power of prayer, this stuff matters, okay? This, it matters, but we can't stop there. Because if we simply stopped with with our hearts and our minds, we might start to believe that the power of prayer resides within ourselves. And that how we pray, the, the words we use, whether we have our hands folded or up in the air, if our eyes are closed or open, these sorts of things, if we use lots of words or few words, that somehow these sorts of things determine the effectiveness of our prayer. Now, we don't want to overestimate 
our part in prayer. We need to pray. We need to practice prayer. We need to do our part, but we need to not overestimate our part and trust that God will do his part. But often, when, when we consider, sometimes if we're honest, of how we've prayed or viewed prayer in the past, or, or sometimes as a pastor when I observe and help people grow in their prayer life, that's not how we approach it. Reminds me of a story of a father and a son who went fishing. And they went out to this cabin that was by this lake, and they, they dropped a line of hooks in the water, and then they, they went inside the cabin for about an hour, and they came out to check the hooks. And, and sure enough, there were several fish that were on the hooks. And the son said, I knew it. I knew there'd be fish on there. And the father said, well, how did you know, son? He said, Dad, because I prayed about it. Well, they took the fish off the hooks, and they put bait on the hooks again and dropped them in the water, and they went back inside to enjoy lunch. About an hour later, they come out again. And again, the hooks are full of fish. The son says again, I knew it, Dad. I knew there'd be fish. How'd you know there'd be fish, son? Well, because I prayed about it again, Dad. So they took the fish off. They dropped the hooks in the water a third time. Head back in the house, play a game. About an hour later, they come out. No fish. There's no fish. The son says again, I knew it. I knew it, Dad. I knew there wouldn't be fish this time. How did you know there wouldn't be fish this time, son? Because I didn't pray this time. The father was perplexed by this and goes, well, why didn't you pray this time, son? Because, Dad, I remembered we forgot to bait the hooks this time. We put them in the water. (laughs) You see, in this story, we see that the son believed in the power of the bait more than he believed in the power of God. Is it possible for God to catch fish without bait? Sure it is. But that's not the method and the means he gives us. We don't need to constantly be putting God to the test by fishing without bait. He wants us to do our part. We need to be in prayer. We need to be baiting our hooks, if you will, with God-centered hearts that reach out in prayer. But that's not where the power resides. See, to quote Max Lucado, he says, Our prayers may be awkward at times. Our prayers may be feeble But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers make a difference. You see, the power of prayer is inseparable from our belief in the source of that power. And that power resides in God alone. Our prayers are simply the means by which we choose to get plugged in to that power. So I hope that doesn't just give you a sense of direction and and perspective towards prayer, but it also can give you a sense of freedom. Because that means that you don't have to be an expert in prayer. You don't have to be a professional prayer. You don't have to be a, a pastor or anything like that in order to pray and see results. You see, like anything, the more you do it, the better you get at it. But if it came down to a matter of having our, our eyes open or closed, hands fold or in the air, lots of words, not very many words, we would be completely confused and uncertain about where the power resides and why we don't see anything ever happening in our prayer life. But the power doesn't reside in that. It resides in God who knows our hearts, who honors our efforts. So pray. So pray. Now one of the models that we had of prayer last week was, was given by Jesus himself. We, we know this as the model of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples. And the Lord's Prayer essentially is six petitions broken up into three categories. And the first three categories, these six petitions, are all about focusing upon God and his kingdom and then upon ourselves. 
But Jesus didn't just give his followers a model for prayer. When we look at the Gospels and read the life and the story of Jesus, we see that Jesus himself was the model of prayer. And this is seen nowhere more clearly than the Gospel of Luke. You see, Luke presents Jesus at prayer more than all the other Gospels. The other three Gospels combined, Luke presents Jesus at prayer more often. We see examples of this where Luke has Jesus praying at his baptism, the only one who has him praying at his baptism. Luke shows that when the crowds and the demands grew, uh, the pressure against Jesus, he would retreat to a quiet place. Jesus held an all-night prayer vigil before he selected the 12 disciples. Just before Peter's confession of Jesus as the Messiah, Luke tells us Jesus was praying. At the time of the transfiguration on the mountaintop, Jesus was praying, according to Luke. Jesus was praying an intercessory prayer for Peter that Peter would be restored after his denial. Luke shows Jesus praying on the Mount of Olives when he was in the time of deep trouble and sorrow, reaching out to God. And some of the best well-known prayers of Jesus are found when Jesus was upon the cross, recorded in the Gospel of Luke. See, in, in all of these examples in this one gospel, we see Jesus at prayer addressing his heavenly Father directly. Jesus plugging in to the source of the power in prayer. And we see in Jesus' example not just giving us a model for prayer, but being the model of prayer. Because Jesus lived a life of regular, habitual communion with God. And the author of Hebrews picks up on this in Hebrews 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 7, where we read this. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers. He offered up petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Now the idea that Jesus believed the power of prayer resides with God's probably not new to you. I'm going to imagine you're probably pretty comfortable with the idea that Jesus was a man of prayer. I'm going to imagine that you know these things, at least to some degree. But here's the question I want to challenge you with today. Do you believe these things for your own life? And if you believe these things for your own life, how is that revealed in your practice of prayer? You see, because there's a difference between knowing something and believing in something. And the difference between knowing and believing is often revealed in our actions. You see, to know something means that you are certain of it, no matter what your personal opinion of it may be. For example, when I was in grade three, I was eight years old, we were told that we had to memorize our times tables up to 15. I'm not sure they're doing that anymore, but I... I'm going to vote that they probably should be making kids memorize those things. Memorize our times tables, you know, 1 times 15, 2 times 15, all the way up to like 14 times 15. You had to memorize these, and then you were quizzed on each one of them. You had to answer 10 questions in 30 seconds, and if you got 10 right in 30 seconds, you got a sticker. Now, here's what I need you to know. I hated that. I I really hated that. I, I hated memorizing them. I didn't care if it was true or not. I took the teacher's word for that, you know, that, that 15 times 15 is 225, but, I, but I, I didn't care if it was true or not. I just, I just knew it. I didn't care about their sticker, but I did it. But you know why I did it? You know why I know most of these to this day? Because I believed in something greater. You see, I believed in something greater, and that propelled me to action. 
What did I believe in? I believed in the power of a desk buddy. (laughs) See, I didn't care about the stickers. What I cared about was that once I got 15 stickers, I got to turn my desk. My friend got to turn their desk, and they became one desk. And we got to look at each other, and we had desk buddies. And when you're eight years old, you want to motivate somebody in a classroom, desk buddies is pretty powerful, I can tell you. I believed in the power of the desk buddy. And I got mine done. I was fourth in the class to get mine done. And I was like, ready. I'm like, come on, get yours done, man. We've got to turn our desk. We've got to be desk buddies. Nagging my friend to get his done so we could put our desks together. You see, I had this belief, and the belief required a degree of knowledge, but knowledge that was supported by an act of faith. And every time someone turned their desk in the classroom, it added more evidence that it works. And the more evidence there was that it works, the stronger the belief became and the greater the activity in the classroom became. See, it's one thing to know something, but it's something else to believe it. And we believe it, it tends to motivate us towards activity. We read about the difference between knowing and believing in James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, where, where James says, when you ask or pray, when you pray, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed around by the winds. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. See, you can know that Jesus prayed a lot. You can know that Jesus was a man of prayer and still doubt the power of prayer. You can read your Bible from cover to cover and come to church regularly and listen to Pastor Mark tell you that you should pray. You can know you should pray and still not do it. You can know how to pray by following the models that we've given you, but still not believe in the power of prayer and just be practicing religion when you pray. But that's not what we want for you here at West Meadows. What we want for you here at West Meadows is to personally believe in the power of prayer and have that belief that leads to action. So there's two things we're going to do for you to help make that a reality in your life. And the first one is this. The first one is this. We're going to invite you. Dare I say we're even going to challenge you to join us for 30 days of prayer beginning tomorrow. May 24th, beginning tomorrow, to join us for 30 days of prayer. Now, for some of you, this is just going to be adding to your existing prayer life, to the patterns you already have. I'm inviting you to add us in this collective corporate prayer to your existing prayer time. For others, this is a whole new experience. For others, you don't have a regular habitual prayer life, and this will be a new discipline and experience for you. I'm inviting you to join us. But here's the second thing we're going to do. We are going to equip you and unite you into common themes for prayer through what we're calling our prayer primers. And our prayer primers are short devotional style videos that will be uploaded to our website every single morning, starting tomorrow morning by 8 a.m., where you'll have a leader who will read a verse for you, share a brief comment about it, pray for you, and that short video will prime you to continue praying when the video ends on the theme that has been presented to you. You can pray on your own. You can gather as a family, maybe use as a family devotional time, but we're inviting you to join us for 30 days of prayer by making use of these video prayer primers available starting tomorrow morning at westmeadows.org. You'll find the link on the homepage at westmeadows.org. And we believe that through the messages happening on Sunday morning, through the prayer primers that we're going to be presenting daily for the next month, 
and through your own growing prayer life that God will do great things in your life, in your home, in our church, and in our community. Now, if you currently are active in prayer, I hope you'll add this to your current patterns. If you're at a point where you know, and you already know, that, yeah, I pray, but I need to grow. I, I really need to grow in this area of my life. Let us guide you. Let us equip you so that you can experience that. I promise you, you will see growth. Or maybe you're in this other category where you're still just curious about Jesus and, and, and prayer is not a part of your life. You're new to this whole thing. You're not even sure about the whole concept. You're still invited. You've got nothing to lose. Just jump in. Who knows? Maybe a 30-day prayer time could change your life. Why? Because the power of prayer is inseparable from our belief in the source of that power. That power resides in God alone. Our prayers, this 30-day prayer challenge, is simply a means by which we choose to get plugged in to that power. Will you join us? We want you to join us for that. Because it's my belief that if we can take this next step in our prayer lives as a church, that even more incredible things will start to happen as we allow God to work even more powerfully through his spirit in us and through us. I invite you to pause for a second and even just stop and think. What could be different? What do you think? And let your imagine go. Just let your imagination go. If you committed to 30 days of prayer with us, let your imagination go. What could be different? How could your life be different? How would your home be different? What could happen in the midst of our church, whether we're gathered together or spread out and gathering online? What could be different? How could a community be transformed through 30 days of prayer? Let your imagination go. How could it be different? And I can tell you this from Scripture to give you some ideas. Scripture tells us that those who lack hope will have the eyes of their hearts enlightened as they will know the hope that he has called us to. Those who have lost their way and are feeling alone, if they ask, they will receive. If they seek, they will find. If they knock, the door will be open to them. Those who are going through temptations and trials right now, they will already know that the flesh is weak, but the spirit within them is strong. And through prayer, through trials and temptations, they'll stand firmly fixed upon the power of God. People who are going through a season where they feel like the enemies are coming at them from all sides will understand the promise of prayer that God promises to reveal his mercy to us and to relieve us from all of our distress. Those who are uncertain of the path they should walk or a decision that they need to make, it says in the scriptures that if we will ask of God, he gives wisdom generously without finding fault. And we know that, that the Bible tells us that when a nation is sick, that when there are troubles in the world, when the moral fabric of society is tearing, that if people will humble themselves and pray, what does God promise? He promises that he will forgive their sins and he will heal their land. Now maybe I'm over-promising the power in prayer. But I tell you, I could go on. Because I'm just scratching the surface of what the word of God promises exist in the power of prayer when we reach out to God and allow him to come work in us and through us. So I'm going to ask you again. Do you believe in the power of prayer? And if you're following online, you can type yes or amen in the chat box. You can use the high five prayer hands if you want to put those up there or hit that heart button. But do you believe in the power of prayer? And if you do, I hope you will join us for 30 days of prayer starting tomorrow morning with our prayer primers. I hope to see you there.
Because we also read this in 1 John chapter 5. That this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. So I'm going to ask you another question as we just unpack this verse before we're done today. That word confident, would you use that word confident to describe your prayer life? No, Philip Yancey a couple years back wrote a wonderful book called Prayer Doesn't Make Any Difference. And in the process of gathering information for this book, he went and interviewed a lot of, a lot of Christians, regular church-going faithful Christians. And he asked them, how often do you pray? So, well, eh, a few times a week. Well, when you pray, how, how long do you pray for? And I mean, five minutes, a couple minutes each time? Okay. Are you, are you satisfied in your prayer life? Yeah. Not really. He asked them, when you pray, do you sense the presence of God? Uh, occasionally. And then the last question he asked, do you, do you expect anything to happen when you pray? Well, that's the hope, isn't it? That's the response. Is he, the sense that these respondents give is that it has this sense that people feel burden over pleasure when they pray. That, that they have more uncertainty over confidence when they pray. But I just want to remind you of this final promise that we find in Scripture, in 1 John chapter 5, that we are to have confidence in approaching God. And the basis of this confidence is, is like the power of prayer. It's not found in us. It's found in the work of Jesus Christ, who made the way for, God, for, for us to have a relationship with God, and, and therefore that we could access the Father in prayer. John 1.12 says this, to those who believe in the name of Jesus, he gave the right, the right to become children of God. That's the basis of our confidence, is that we have an identity as children of God, as, as sons and daughters of God. And all of the rights and privileges inherent to that identity. Think about your own, your own family life and the rights and privileges that go from being a son or a daughter. What child who lives with their parents has to always knock on the door and ask permission to come in the house? It doesn't work that way. You either have a key to the house or you just walk in. That's how it works as a son and a daughter. Every child has a seat at the dinner table where you gather as a family, where you have a conversation about your day, about the challenges you faced, about the helps that you need, about the dreams that you have. A child will be in their room playing and they'll call it in a loud voice, Dad! And he knows their voice, the voice of his child, and he comes into the room and says, What is it, son? See, all of this and more are the rights and the privileges as sons and daughters we have as we approach our Heavenly Father. We have the keys to walk into the doors of heaven as sons and daughters of the living God. We have a seat at the table to fellowship with God. We have a father who knows our voice, and when we call out, he says, what is it, son? What is it, daughter? I'm here. This is available to all of us who are sons and daughters. And because of this assurance, we also have the teaching that Jesus gave, where he says, if you ask anything in my name, it will be done for you. 
Now, this is a teaching that is often misunderstood and misapplied. It, it, it's misapplied in ways that actually start to shoulder the power of prayer back upon ourselves. And let me explain what I mean. Has anyone ever, ever done this or, or been taught to end their prayer in the phrase, in the name of Jesus, amen? I'm sure most people have. I, I do. I, I do it all the time. I probably just did it a few minutes ago when I, when I first prayed at the front here. And I'm not going to tell you that it's wrong. It's not wrong to do that. The, the question is, why? Why do you do that? You see, some people have been taught that they need to do that because it's similar to addressing the letter, uh, the envelope of a letter. Well, I want to make sure it arrives to the right destination. In Jesus' name, I need to make sure he knows it's for him so it doesn't get lost in the mail somehow. Other people were, were taught that they use that as almost like a magical incantation, like a, like a game of, of Simon Says. No, I said in Jesus' name. Now God has to agree with me. Do what I say in Jesus' name. See, teachings like this find place amongst movements such as, as, as the, the Word of Faith movement and within the prosperity gospel that believes that God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. And the only thing stopping you from experiencing that is you exercising your power in prayer through your words, through your actions, through your behaviors, for you claiming what is rightfully yours. That kind of contradicts a bit of what I've said already today. You see, the challenge with teachings like that is they start to shift the power of prayer upon us rather than upon God. But 1 John 4, 15 clears that up. Because it says, after we're told that we can approach God in confidence, it says, whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. John added that part, I think, to clarify some earlier teachings that are found in the Gospel of John. When it's asked according to God's will, he hears. See, approaching God with confidence, approaching God with boldness is not about making demands. Praying in Jesus' name is the same as saying, Jesus, I want to pray according to your will. I want to seek the things that Jesus would seek when he prayed. When we pray in Jesus' name, it's like saying, all that I desire, all that I yearn for is in line with Jesus' name. Now, sometimes people can be made to feel guilty for the things that they pray for. Uh, things like, like happiness or finances, a new car, a new house, the new oilers. We need some prayer today. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you it's wrong to pray about these things. If those are the things that are on your heart... If those things that are on your mind, offer those things to God. Pray about those things if, if that's what's on your mind. But I'm going to tell you that if, if that's all you ever pray for, there's opportunity for growth there. There's absolutely opportunity for growth there. And you may not be experiencing the greatest satisfaction in your prayer life. But if that's what's on your heart, offer those things to prayer to God. But here's the bigger question behind it. What is the motivation and the purpose for which you offer those things to God? Because based upon the motivation, the purpose will somewhat reveal a, a, a sense of where we believe the power lies. See, is it your intention in your prayers to bring God into your activity? Or are you seeking his will? Are you seeking his plan in those things? Are you seeking to join him in his activity through those prayers? See, we can approach God in confidence. We can be confident that we pray for will be received and, and that God hears us and responds to us. 
when we pray according to his will, according to the name of Jesus, which is an act of humble submission. Trusting in God's will and trusting in God's way. And acknowledging that the power fully resides with him. Why? Because the power of prayer is inseparable from our belief in the source of that power. And that power resides with God alone. Our prayers, what are they? Our prayers are simply the means by which we choose to get plugged in to that power. And the one who knows God can have confidence that God hears our prayers. And if he hears our prayers and they're according to his will, you know what the answer is going to be? His answer to the prayers will be yes, as it says in verse 15. If we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. Another way of putting that is people thinking, when I pray, something happens. How would you like to be able to say that in your prayer life? When I pray, something happens. That's what this verse is about. But you've got to remember, it doesn't happen because power resides within me, within my words, within my actions, within my abilities. But when I pray, something happens. Why? Because I remember where the power resides. And on Pentecost Sunday, we remember the power resides in the power of the Holy Spirit within us and the Heavenly Father above us. It resides in the mighty power of God. There's power in prayer because when we seek His will, when we pray, instead of asking from God, we start seeking of God. We can believe that there's power in our prayer because we make prayer a regular part of our life as we follow in the footsteps modeled by Jesus' life of prayer. And one way you can do that is by joining us for our 30 days of prayer beginning tomorrow. But above all else, we can experience this power in prayer. We can have confidence in it. We can have boldness in how we approach God because we are confident in our identity in Jesus Christ as sons and daughters of God made possible by the work of Jesus, who died for our sins upon the cross, who died for our sins that separate us from God. You see, folks, one thing that is true of every person who has ever lived, it's true of myself, it's true of, of the worship team that's leading us today, and it's true of you as well. All of us have sinned. We've all sinned. And it's a problem, it's a condition we all have that we are unable to solve ourselves. And it causes, it's a huge problem because it causes this gap between us and God. God who is perfectly holy and us who have sinned. And even our best efforts, our best efforts to bridge that gap and all of our own power to get there falls short because we can never earn our way into perfect holiness in the presence of God without the help of God. And God gave us that help by sending his son, Jesus Christ, who came and paid the price for our sins upon the cross. And we read in the Gospel of Luke and other places that when Jesus was upon the cross, he prayed things like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, Lord. And because he prayed that, because he did that, we can be forgiven of the sins that separate us from God. Jesus also prayed on the cross. He declared, it is finished. Meaning his work was complete. Not meaning just the work of hanging on the cross, but the work of opening the way for all to become sons and daughters of the living God. We simply need to accept the gift that he offers to us. And then to live according to his will and according to his plan. In the power of the Holy Spirit that descended upon the followers of Pentecost that day and is available to all of us today. 
if that doesn't currently exist in your life, I can tell you this, that accepting and living for Jesus will not be the easiest thing you ever do, but it will be the most important prayer you ever pray. And if you do not personally have a relationship with Jesus right now, I invite you to pray an important prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I have sinned. That even with the best of my efforts, Lord, I've been unable to find my way into relationship with you. Because of that, Lord, I need a Savior. I believe Jesus is that Savior. That Jesus' work upon the cross was sufficient to pay the price for my sins. Lord, thank you that you gave your life for me. In response, I now give you mine. Fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Guide me to walk according to your ways all the days of my life. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me of my sins and walking with me every day forward. Amen. If you need to pray that or if you just prayed that prayer, you can click online right now. You can raise your hand. You can hit that prayer button and somebody will pray with you. If you do now or if you want to talk more about that, please contact us in the office so that we can talk to you about the next steps and how you can continue the journey with Jesus. And always.